Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Woodgate to my Southgate. It's Justin Peach. Good afternoon, Ryan. Justin, we're back. The Second Tier Podcast is back for a new season. What a summer we've had, Justin. What a Euros we've had as well. Yes, almost almost too good to be true, wasn't it, really? Although yeah. it's, it is a little bit nice going out in the quarterfinals because I don't know about you, but those last two games obviously so stressful not good for the uh, not good for the heart no not at all and it's weird because the nation is still kind of mourning the final Mm. even though it's our most successful tournament since 1966 but it feels like it's not also maybe because of subsequent events but uh Mm. we'll, we'll let that pass um well it was a great euros once it we also saw the emergence of a south american superstar playing in the championship it is, of course, Chile's very own Ben Brereton Diaz. I mean, apart from the Euros, that was my favourite sideshow of the whole summer. It was just brilliant. The, the thing is, as well, he had a good tournament. Like, he wasn't yeah. there to make up numbers. He he had a very good tournament and um, yeah. he carried on his form because he did display some really good form for Blackburn last season and carried on to the, into the, the Copper America. And he's actually a fan favourite as well. It's so bizarre that this lad from Stoke is now one of the most celebrated stars in the whole of Chile. It's just incredible. Uh, But that's the championship for you, ladies and gentlemen. You've been up to much else, Justin? Um, I I started CrossFit. That's fun. Um, That there, that'll be interesting. So that's a very. It's very intense, isn't it? From what I understand. Yeah, but watching England in the Euros has got me prepared for it because if Mm. I can get through that. I'll be fine. I'll yeah. be fine. Okay, I, yeah. I can understand that. Well, look, yeah. welcome back to the biggest championship-specific podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. As I say, we are back, ladies and gentlemen. The weekly podcasts are back in your lives for another season. We hope you've enjoyed the series of Meets episode from the past few weeks. Cracking listens, if I do say so myself. But it is now time to look ahead to a new championship season. And it all starts here. I've declared it so. 19 days until the start of the new season, just in 19 days. The the Euros has completely messed up my, you know, clock of when everything actually is because it's slowly creeping up on us, the uh, new start of the season. And it seems like some teams in the Championship just haven't clocked on whatsoever because they are not making many transfers. (laughs) Uh, Well, some have, and we'll talk about that in this episode because that's what we're going to do, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to have a chit-chat about some of the transfer business from the past few weeks. 
We're going to talk about some of the big news, in my opinion, that being Michael Elise to Palace, Alex Marrott to West Brom, and whatever the hell is going on at Derby. And then in the second half of the show, me and Justin are going to each pick out two transfers which have caught our eyes so far in the Championship. So you have that to look forward to as well. So let's crack on, Justin. Michael Elise, the boy wonder. He's left Reading for Crystal Palace. Eight million quid he cost because of a buyout clause. So a bit of a bargain, really, for Palace. I think you will agree. What are your initial thoughts on it, Peachy? Firstly, a good move for Elise? It's a really good move for Elise. I think Palace is a very good place for young players to go and develop. Because um, I think a while ago we were saying Nathan Ferguson, it's a good move for him. A easy, it's a good move for him. Um, you look at the likes of Joel Ward and Wayne Hennessy who have developed at Palace themselves. It just seems a good place for young players just to go and flourish and, and showcase. I mean, Zaha has been incredible there. Um, so for Elise to go there, um, it is it is a good move. And obviously Palace are in, in this position where they have to, they literally have to press the reset button because they've got a lot of players out of contract, a lot of older players. So injecting that that youth back into the side. Um, and as well, because Abrichies is injured, I think Elise will get a fair bit of game time. Um, so yeah, it's going to be it's going to be good to see him showcase his his abilities at the top level. It's just a shame we didn't get to see um, more of it because we had one full season where he literally was incredible. He was so good last season. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to talk too much about Palace because you know <laughs> Premier League, um, <laughs> but I, 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 I'm I'm kind of a different opinion to you. Really, I think Palace are in a weird situation because they have had so many players out of contract. They've got mm. Patrick Vieira in as manager, which is mm, mm. Um, easy. He's injured. They have. Um, also brought in Mark Gurhey, which is a transfer I'm obviously a fan of. Um, but they're in a really weird state at the moment. And at the moment, I'm looking at them and thinking they could be in danger of getting relegated from the Premier League this season or this coming season. And for Elise, I think it makes sense because he's looked at that and thought, well, I'm going to get game time, you'd have thought, or at least a mm. fair chunk of game time at Palace. I just think he maybe could have done with another year in the Championship because... While he did have a great season for such a young lad in his first real full season in the Championship, it felt to me like he was a bit inconsistent at times and maybe another season at Championship level would have done him the world of good. So if he went to, I know, someone like Spurs, for example, or, you know, mm-hmm. a top Premier League yeah, club, he yeah. probably would have got loaned out again. Whereas at Palace... He's now got to make that step up and I think it might just be a bit too soon. I hope he proves me wrong because, I mean, we've been singing his praises all season, haven't we? He's mm. an absolutely class player and I'm sure he will go on to be a class player. I just wonder if maybe he could have done with another year in the second tier. There's there's argument for it, but I think he's also, we've spoken in the past about him having that level of arrogance you need to really thrive as a young player. Mm. Um, and I think that's something that's going to help him step up. Um, I hate bringing back the example of the likes of Zaha and Easy, but they had that same level of arrogance. I think that um, that Elise had that they know they're good players and they know that if they get they, they get the chance, they are going to they are going to take it. And those two have stepped up, and I think Elise will do the same thing. And also, he's not burdened by a massive price tag either, um, because I've, I've read stories in the past of players being affected by. 20 30 million pound price tags 8 million pounds is not a massive fee for a player of his age so he's not burdened by that either um so i think it is a good move for him and i think 
I, I do hear what he's saying. Another championship um, season would have would have helped, but he's going to get game time at Palace, and that's something that's going to help as well. I don't think we can compare him to Easy, in my opinion, no, just because no. Easy had such an unbelievable season, and it was so obvious that he needed to step up to the Premier League. Um, whereas Elisa, I just think, had a great season, maybe could have done with another year. Uh, but let's talk about what it means for the Royals, Justin. Elise's mm. old club obviously lost an incredibly talented player in um, Elise. Also worth mentioning, Omar Richards has gone now. Yaku Mate is going to miss the start of the season. So they're in a bit of an interesting situation, aren't they, old Reddin? Yeah, it is a strange one. Um, obviously, Mete's injury is an ACL, so I imagine he'll be out for a lot longer than just the start of the season. Um, and as well as that, Elise, you lose Elise. Um, for me, a player like him is the difference between finishing in and outside the top six. Now, it is parachuted a little bit by the fact that John Swift was injured for or was out of the, the team for a large period of the season last season because of injuries yeah. and whatnot. Um so he can step in and he adds that creative gap that is now left there by Elise. But the thing that's quite interesting for me is um Elise's assisted Lucas Shaw four times, Nyaku Mate four times. So he's he's the main supply for the Reading front line. Or he was last season was he was the main supply for the Reading front line. So I do feel like a replacement is is needed, and it's not not the type of player that Ajara is, but a player who can f- play in gaps, play in spaces, um, and can link up really well with with that forward line. Um, because that, as I say, is going to be the difference between finishing in and outside the top six for Reading for the coming yeah. season. With John Swift, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because he was well, he, he's a fantastic player at this level. It's just last season he was burdened with injuries, and then when he actually did play, his form wasn't as good as we've mm. seen in the past. Um, so now Reading are massively relying on him getting back to his best this season. Um, I think £8 million, Reading will be a bit annoyed that they've only managed, that they had that buyout clause in there because they probably could have got another zero added on there. I mean, another well, t- 10 million at least is what I'm trying to say eight, not, not 80 million, million. Quite. <laughs> <laughs> that's quite steep um but you know what I mean um yeah so yeah but Reading need to sell everyone knows that it's very widely known that Reading mm-hmm. need to get some money in the bank because before they bring in players they need to get rid of players um and eight million pounds certainly goes towards that um but yeah, I, I'm a bit worried about Reading for next season just because I thought they'd be able to build upon this season, but it seems like they're going backwards now. I don't think they'll be in any danger of going down or anything like that. I just think they're massively weakened compared to the side that we saw last season. Uh, let's go from one playmaker with a wand of a left foot, Justin, to another. Alex Mowat has gone to West Brom. It's after his deal with Barnsley expired. And I tell you what, what a signing for the Albion that is, Justin. Pound for pound, probably the best signing of the window just because the calibre of play you're getting for the money you paid for him, which was absolutely nothing. Um, I don't think there will be a, a better value signing um, for well, in the Championship this season. Um, I guess the, the the key question is, can he can he step up? Because obviously he's, he's played for the likes of leads before obviously a big club um but they weren't at their best when he was playing for them um and then it's and then it's Barnsley but now he's stepping into a team that are going to be competing 
to get into the Premier League. Um, so that's going to be an interesting step up for him. Um, but he's he's followed Valerian Ishmael as well. There's going to be a familiar style of play there. Um, I think it's a top, top signing. There's no other words for it, really. Um, no. it's, a, uh, it's, a, well, it's a great signing. You say make the step up. I was surprised that Premier League teams weren't sniffing around him because he, he had such a good season at Barnsley last season. He was their best player and probably the best centre midfielder in the Championship last season. He was absolutely class, yeah. whether it was setting up goals, um, scoring goals, set pieces, even doing legwork in midfield as well. He, he can do it all. He's an absolutely fantastic player. And for West Brom to pull off this signing, I think is just remarkable. And it's one of the reasons why I'm quite fancying West Brom heading into this new season. Don't want to give too much away because we have got our table mm-hmm. predictions coming up in oh, the yeah. very near future. Um, but I think Alex Mauer, there won't be a better signing than that as far as I'm concerned in the Championship this season. Quality player. If he carries on his form from last season, then West Brom fans will be laughing. Oh, everybody will be. Apart from <laughs> opposition fans, obviously. Um, I mean, Barnsley fans wished him well, which was which was nice to see because I imagine you get a section of supporters who will think he's just trying to get the the highest uh, highest amount possible uh, in terms of salary. But um, you know, it, it was mainly well wishes, which gives you an indication of the type of player and how important he was for Barnsley. Um, if he can have the same impact at West Brom um, as the um, as a similar impact Conor Hurahan had at Aston Villa. Uh, it's only good things, isn't it? Obviously, it's, a, it's another signing from Barnsley. It's left-footed as well. Um, a lot of a lot of uh, similarities there. Um, but yeah, there's just nothing but good things to say about it. I'll be interested to see what system Bilic plays because for a long time... Ishmael. Um, Ishmael who did I say? <laughs> <You> said Bilic. <laughs> wow. I'm a, You're a couple of years late, mate. <laughs> yeah. No idea. It's because I'm thinking about the four-two-three-one Billich played. That's why. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah it'll be interesting to see what um, tactics formation that Ishmael um, plays because he's got to get Pereira into the team. There's the likes of Romain Sawyers, there's Livermore. Um, so yeah, it's it's going to be an intriguing window for for West Brom. It's an embarrassment of riches, isn't it? When you look at that West yeah. Brom squad, the fact that they've still got Pereira, I don't think he's going to leave either. I think it's very much going to be a Brendia at Norwich situation from last mm-hmm. season where no one actually comes in from Pereira because there isn't that much money floating around at the moment in the Premier League. Um, well, not as much money as usual. Um, <laughs> and Pereira's going to be at West Brom next season. And a midfielder of Pereira, Dean Garner, Alex Mauer, Jake Livermore. Yeah, that's stop, just, stop, stop. It's stop. just frightening. Absolutely <laughs> frightening. Um, and again, that's why I just look at this West Brom team. And as long as Valerian Ishmael manages to get the style of play that he wants over, then they'll be having a quality season next season. Um, it will be interesting to see, actually, because at Barnsley, I, it's worth saying, actually, if anyone wants our thoughts on the appointments of Ishmael, mm-hmm. Parker at Bournemouth, all that stuff, then go on our YouTube channel because over the summer we were giving our thoughts on big news updates over there. So um, that's why you're not hearing much of that in this episode. Um, but Ishmael, he, he he had different tools at Barnsley, didn't he? Yeah. And yeah. he knew what he had. Whereas now he's got these incredibly talented players and getting the best out of him in his system is going to be incredibly interesting. But yeah, West Brom looking very healthy heading into the new season. Uh, just before we have a break, Justin, let's have a chat about Derby. Your beloved Rams. So at the time of recording, Derby have just 13 senior players. 
13. That's just enough for a game of six aside and one sub. Um, and Terra remind you, the season is just 19 days away. Well, 20 for Derby. As our resident Derby fan, Justin, when you look at the state of the squad, what are your emotions? The state of the squad. <laughs> That's a big sigh. Yeah. <laughs> when you say the state of the squad, is it's what squad uh, would be the yeah. first thing you say. Is is there a squad there? No, not quite. Um, it's there's not really a, fair a squad, few is it? It's no. just a... It's a gang. A, a, a gathering of people. <laughs> yeah, it's a gathering. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's such a weird situation because as a Derby fan, I've not experienced this in my lifetime. Even when we had financial issues back in sort of the mid-noughties, yeah. Still had a squad, um, so this is this is uncharted territory. But there's a fair few trialists on board. They're okay. Um, I think the the main situation that we are worried about is obviously the 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 transfer embargo, um, and there's a lot of speculation as to what that means for Derby because apparently under EFL rules you can't uh, sign anyone um, and players that are contract to the club that have made an appearance for for your club count as like a squad list. Um, yeah. So technically, Derby can't sign anyone because obviously the Chorley, Chorley game in the FA Cup last last season, a lot of youngsters played. So at the minute, we can't even sign the forty year old trialist we we have uh, on board at the minute. So Phil Jagiel, it's Phil, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you, uh, you've got a few. Well, while we're on that, it's worth mentioning the trialists off the top of my head: Richard Stearman, mm-hmm. uh, Phil Jagielka, Ravel Morrison, Sam Bordock, Sonny Aluko. You know. It's just a bunch of experienced championship players, really, isn't it? Yeah. But carrying on. Well, I was going to say that Derby can't even bring in loan players because they can only get those loans until January, which obviously, if you're a top-flight club loaning your youngster, you want to get them out for the season with a recall option in January. Um, so that's the reason why Mengi, for example, hasn't joined Derby yet. <laughs> or maybe one of the reasons. But as you as you were saying with the trialists, I'm not... Um, I think the trialists, as far as players available for Derby... They're not a bad bunch. Like Richard Simmons, a very good defender at this level, or, or a good defender at this level, very experienced. Jagielka's Phil Jagielka, very experienced, <laughs> very experienced. Ravel Morrison, um, I think everyone wants him to do well. Uh, but if Neil Warnock can't get a chime out of him, can Wayne Rooney um, and Sam Baldock and Sonia Luco? Reading fans won't be too enamoured by it, but Derby are picking from a very okay Paul at the minute um, so as far as they go they're not, not too bad but nothing's going to change until those accounts get submitted and nothing's going to get better for Derby until the takeover until a takeover um, is sorted but you know I'm looking on the bright side I'll be quite happy to watch a squad of 13 compete in a championship week in week out it would definitely be interesting uh, they have obviously got academy players haven't they but many of them got sold off in the uh, fire sale <laughs> that happened back in January when Derby were trying to raise funds uh, you've pretty much covered all of it there but I, I will say this Derby are a mess and even that's being kind behind the scenes it's chaos and we spent eight months joking about whether Derby's takeover has been done yet and it still hasn't no. and that's not ideal when a couple of months ago the owner was saying he didn't want to pay wages anymore mm-hmm. uh, so the behind the scenes chaos has finally caught up with what's happening on the pitch and I hate to say it but Derby fans this is going to be a long hard season other championship fans probably couldn't give two shits but I do feel sorry for what Derby fans are going to have to put up with for the next year right now I can't see anything other than relegation 
the squad stayed up by the skin mm-hmm. of his, by the skin of its teeth last season, and it's even weaker now. The league's got better, in my opinion, and the manager is inexperienced, and he's not exactly been too convincing in the time that he's been there so far, has he? So, unless they play a blinder in recruiting players when they can actually recruit players over the next few weeks, I worry that this season could become a bit embarrassing from a derby perspective. Well, there we go, Justin. Shall we have a break? After that, we'll have a good old chinwag about some of the transfers which have caught our eye in the championship over the summer so far. I tell you what, there's nothing I love more than a classic football shirt. I've got loads of them. A Juventus shirt, Marseille shirt, even an Antalya Sport shirt. One of the reasons I've got so many is because I can get them for a great price from ClassicFootballShirts.co.uk. They've got shirts for teams from all over the globe, and that, of course, includes championship clubs. So if you wanted a classic Wednesday shirt, Reading shirt or Barnsley shirt, whoever you support, they'll have something for your club. It's not just shirts either. They've also got tracksuits, baseball caps, socks, so much stuff. Have a look for yourself. Go to ClassicFootballShirts.co.uk right now. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. Right, Justin and myself have picked out two transfers each that have happened in the Championship over the past few weeks, and they've caught our eye. It's worth pointing out, they're not necessarily transfers that we say are going to be a success. It's just ones that we think are worth highlighting from the past few weeks. So I'll start, Justin, if you don't mind. The first one that caught my eye is Rob Atkinson to Bristol City. He was a defender who was at Oxford last season. And it's a move that has really got me excited, Justin. Really, really excited. Because this guy was the best defender in League One last season and looks to be the real deal. Still only 22. And they've reportedly got him for just 1.6 million, which in today's market could end up being a major coup for them. From what I've seen of him, I'm getting kind of similar vibes to Adam Webster. And the impact he had there when he was at Bristol City. And mm. look, what he's gone on to, class in the air, reads the game brilliantly, good with the ball at his feet. And I was, I'll be honest, I was taken aback quite a bit when Bristol City actually got him in. And I mean this with no disrespect. I thought he'd go to a side kind of in the same kind of level as West Brom or Fulham. Mm. And I know he was also being linked with a move to Celtics. So for Bristol City to get him on board is... A phenomenal signing on their behalf. What do you think? I can't say I, I know a lot about him. I obviously don't follow Oxford, but if you look at yeah. League One, I've left. <laughs> <laughs> twice in one uh, episode. <laughs> yeah, hopefully it's not a, uh, a recurring theme over there. It might uh, be. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, um, yeah. If you, if you look at players that have come out of Oxford over the last few years, they've been very good. Rob Dickey is the first one that comes to mind, obviously, because yeah of his impact at QPR last season, if it's anywhere near as good as that, it's a very good signing. And that goes to show, obviously you were saying the clubs that Atkinson was linked with, it goes to show the the pulling power Nigel Pearson still has. Um, And obviously Bristol City as well, because they are a big club. I don't want to use the term sleeping giant because it's overused by pundits, but at championship level, they are a team that, they're about to do at least a playoff campaign. So obviously the last one, it was in 2008. Well overdue, really, aren't they? Um, and they've been there or thereabouts, and really they should be making a step. And I think with Nigel Pearson at the helm, they, they can do that. But it's with signings like Rob Atkinson, who are 22, who 
have value in them that they they yeah. need to make this they they need to make these sorts of signings obviously the likes of Andy King and Matty James don't follow suit but definitely transfers they you know the value's there anyway but yeah this this new strategy that they're possibly putting in place is the right thing to go about it for Bristol City yeah i'd agree with that it's what every championship club should be doing yeah. make sure there's value in these players a few or a couple of seasons down the line mm-hmm. if we take a step back I kind of disagree with you. I think Bristol City still need a lot more than just Rob Atkinson to trouble oh, the yeah, top yeah. half. Yeah. Um, they brought in Andy King and Matty James, which, if I'm being honest, are two signings which I think are a bit meh. Um, they yeah. still need to strengthen basically everywhere apart from the defence and keeper. But Atkinson's a class signing and someone I'm very excited to see in the Championship next season. What were you going to say? I don't disrespect Matty James. He was incredible last season for Barnsley and Coventry. He was oh, You're such a such a buzzkill today. Spit, <laughs> spitting on things. And... Spitting all over the place. <laughs> Buzzkilling. What am I like? Uh, Justin, one transfer which has caught your eye is Benikafobi to Millwall. Yes. Why is that? Um, he's a player that I absolutely adore at championship level. I think I always have. It's one, it's one of them forwards who you think, if there's a player available uh, and Benikafobi pops up, then you go... Every every fan of a club will go. Well, let's have a let's have a look, shall we? Um, but when he yeah when he left Wolves, I think it was back in 2015, 2016 to Bournemouth. It was probably a bit too soon for him. I think he stalled a bit at Bournemouth, um, and we saw flashes of his quality at Bristol City a couple of seasons ago before he cruelly did his ACL. Um, and we yeah. thought Benny Kafobi was back, and obviously he was out for the season. And he went to Drab Bonspor last season, um, but him coming into Millwall exactly what he needs and exactly what Millwall needs um, and I don't think we're going to get the Benikafobe who was as prolific as he was at Wolves and NK Dons I think we're getting a more rounded Benikafobe that is going to bring the best out of the, the players around him at, at Millwall um, and as we've said for a long time what Millwall have missed is a, is a productive number nine not necessarily one that's going to grab 20-25 goals but one who's going to get double figures and one who's going to impact the play around him because they've had to play Mason Bennett and Jed Wallace up front for a long time and they're not hold-up players. They run in behind, they run with the ball. Putting Benikafobi in there, I think with those two around him, it's going to be a dangerous front three, potentially. Yeah, I think you're absolutely spot on. Afobe is, if they can get him back to his best, then my word, what a player, what a player. And Millwall, again, kind of echoing what you're saying at this point mm. but all, all they've needed is just one striker who can get double figures they had what five different strikers last season and mm. none of them really had a good season so now they've got someone who potentially could be a cracking signing was it a free as well it's a loan I think oh is it a loan yeah well I mean we're it's a good about, signing yeah absolutely we're talking about someone who Stoke paid £12 million pounds for. I mean, mm. in hindsight, that's a terrible transfer. But there's a reason <laughs> why they paid that much for him, because at second-tier level, Benikafobe is a legend at the second tier. Um, and again, Gary Rowett is capable of getting him back to his best. He's had a tough few years, both on and off the pitch. Mm-hmm. But now is his chance to you know, rekindle the fire that we saw from a few seasons ago when he was at Wolves. Um, Justin, the next transfer which caught my eye is Izzy Brown to Preston. Mm. And when I say this is a signing that caught my eye, I'm not necessarily giving it the stamp of approval and saying this is a good signing. Izzy Brown has had a very mixed few years and I'm just very interested 
to see how it goes. He has been, you know, a permanent low knee, hasn't he? Just constantly being shipped out to championship clubs by Chelsea, who never seems to have any intention of giving him a look in the first mm-hmm. team. So first and foremost, it's going to be interesting to see how he does with a permanent home. Because, well, that's what he said in the media. He's happy to finally have a home instead of being farmed off to random championship clubs every season. But it'll be interesting to see which Izzy Brown Preston gets because he's had five loan spells in the championship. Rotherham was a success. Huddersfield, an overwhelming success. Leeds, he just disappeared off the face of the earth. Luton was good, but hindered hindered by injuries. And Sheffield Wednesday was an absolute disaster. Mm -hmm. So hopefully the fact he has got a permanent home we'll see the player that we saw at Huddersfield and Rotherham and at times at Luton. And if that happens, then Preston have pulled off a blinder here, haven't they? It is. I'm a big Izzy Brown fan um, because he's a player that you see, you look back and you think, he's so good in these seasons. Um, But then he has those seasons where, I think his lead spell he was, he did get injured, he did have a serious injury. Um, But injuries have seemed to have followed him around wherever he's been, even when he was at Huddersfield um, and Luton where he probably had his his better spells um, but yeah injury seems to have followed him round where he's if he if he stays fit and as we say finds a finds a home um, then Preston have got a very good player on their hands um, it's just it's, you've got to have that feeling of being settled haven't you I can't imagine how hard it is having to especially as a young player growing up going to Huddersfield going to Leeds going to Sheffield Wednesday all, all Yorkshire actually so it can't be that much can't be that bad Um but there's a lot of moving around and you're never, you're never truly, truly settled, are you, until you actually find a, a full-time full-time job, a, a, a contract with a couple of years on it, um, a contract with a couple of years on it. And um, I know he's only got a year at Preston, but he's got a, a really good chance to prove himself at this level because he's done it before. He's just yeah. got to find that form again. Oh, he absolutely has done it before. He, at times, has been a chance creation machine in the <laughs> championship and... Again, Preston have desperately needed some creativity. Still need a striker, but this is a cracking signing. Um, Final transfer which caught our eye, Justin, and this is one of yours, is Levi Colwell to Huddersfield. Mm. Now, might not be a particularly familiar name to many of our listeners. Give us a bit of background on young Levi Colwell, Justin. Well, he's just 18 um, and he's he's not made a professional appearance yet. I think he has played a few uh, Papa John games Papa John Trophy games um, in the EFL Cup, whatever you want to call it. Um, So he has made a a couple of appearances at some sort of senior level, but nothing of great significance. Um, He's a left-footed defender, centre-half, can cover left-back, and he's incredibly composed on the ball, very, very good on the ball. Um, And I know a lot of the the data people are sort of running riot on him because they're very impressed impressed by him. And... um, for, you know, for that reason, uh, and as well as that, how Corbrand likes to play, having that composure on the left side of defence is going to help them, and it's going to help Colwell uh, develop essentially. And what we've seen over the past couple of years is, is left-sided defend centre halves from Chelsea come into the Championship and do very re- do very well. You're looking at Fikayo Tamori and Mark Gurry, two very good examples of it working out very well. I think the only difference here is Colwell's just 18 years old, so he's going to have a bit of time to settle in but a very very good signing depending on what formation Huddersfield play whether they go three at the back or, or four at the back I think he's going to fit very well in either of those as a left-sided centre-half but with a caveat of just easing him into the championship 
Yeah, look, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I've been spending all season watching Chelsea reserve games um, or how they did in the Papa John's Trophy. But what I do know about Levi Colwell is that he is very highly rated mm-hmm. at Chelsea. And when you've got an academy like Chelsea's and you're hearing such good words about this single player, then it's an exciting time for Huddersfield fans because it looks like he could be a real player and one to keep an eye out for next season for even neutral championship fans. Mm. And if he does go on to emulate the likes of, you know, Tamori and Gurhi, I mean, we, we talk about those players. They won't get in as much praise as this lad has been getting no, they, from they, what true. I've seen on yeah, from what I've been seeing on social media from the past few weeks. So if he's an even better prospect than those two then my oh my, Carlos Corbran, you have pulled off a blinder in getting this lad in. I think a really important point to make as well is the amount of uh, errors the Huddersfield defence made last season in trying to bring the ball out from the back. I mean, Naby Sarr is is a good player, but he's not a ball-playing defender in the same regard as Colwell is. So putting someone as composed and good on the ball and and good at coming out with the ball as as Levi Colwell into into that team... I think it's going to help Huddersfield massively, and it's probably going to give Huddersfield fans a bit of a, a bit of a sigh of relief whenever the ball gets played out in tight situations. Yeah, they they definitely needed to improve the defensive side of things, <laughs> didn't they? Did they have the worst defensive record in the Championship last season? It, it was definitely up there, wasn't it? As one, I know, of... I, know I I know they made uh, the most errors leading to goals, um, but they did have Richard Kieran. So you just had to just had to watch the goals they conceded last season. It was an absolute disaster at the back at times. Um, but yeah, they they were one of the worst teams in the Championship defensively last season, and all they need to do is just improve that and then it's a season mm-hmm. of progress for Huddersfield. What they go on to achieve this season, who knows, but if they manage to solidify that defence, then jobs are good. And, uh, Justin, it, we're coming towards the end of the show, but let's do some polls, shall we? This is the part of the show where on Twitter we ask you three questions which we want to get your thoughts on. So the first question that we asked our listeners was which team will finish highest out of the three relegated sides, Justin? Fulham, Sheffield United, West Brom. Which one would you say and which one do you think won the poll? Oh, that's so difficult because even Fulham, I've sort of, I think when we when we reviewed the, the Scott Parker, Marco Silva uh, appointments and, and, and Parker leaving, I was a bit sceptical of Fulham. But even now I'm like, nah, they've got a good squad though. Um, but I, 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 th- I think... Um, I think Sheffield United won the poll, but I think West Brom will finish highest. West Brom won the poll, um, and they got 48%. 29% said Fulham, 23% said Sheffield United. Oh, okay. um, it's, got, it's got to be pointed out there is still a long time left in this transfer window, because it's going on yeah. into the season as well, isn't it? So mm-hmm. they could be in completely different situations in a few weeks' time. Um, but I am looking at West Brom and thinking, my oh my. Fulham are the favourites, though, at the moment, Justin. You'll be interested to know. Um Kind of sticking with the relegated sides theme, um, those three teams have all changed manager this summer. Which yeah. of those three is the best boss? Marco Silva, Slavisa Jakanovic, Valerian Ishmael. Same question, Justin. Which one, in your opinion, and which one do you think won the poll? I don't like Marco Silva, so let's just disregard him. Um, is it because he constantly looks sad? We've discussed this before, haven't we? I don't, no, it's not that. I think he's tactically inept, but... We'll move on. <laughs> um, I 
I think, oh my god, that's so that's so hard trying to pick between Jokanovic and Ishmael. I'll, I'll, I'll say Ishmael's the my, the best boss, but I think Jokanovic won the poll. But I was wrong last time. So. Jokanovic did win the poll. He got forty four percent. Valerie and Ishmael got forty. So pretty close between those two. Marco mm. Silva got sixteen percent. Um, Slavisa Jokanovic record in the championship, sublime, isn't it? Um, Ishmael, fantastic season with Barnsley last season. Can yeah. he do it again? Who knows? Uh, final question. Marmite, yes or no? It's disgusting. Um, and I know you're obsessed with it. I will not hear a bad word said about Marmite on this podcast. Mm. Um, 65% of our listeners said no, which is very disappointing. You guys have got no taste. Um, but yeah, Literally, like... you've got no taste. Sorry. But Marmite is a spectacular spread. It's superb. I just don't understand how people don't like it. You can have it with anything. You're, you're wrong if you like it. Sorry. That's blasphemy at its highest. <laughs> um, I think that's just about it for us, ladies and gentlemen, on the second tier this week. So thank you for joining us wherever you are in the world. Not long to go until the new season starts. It really creeps up on you when there's an international <laughs> tournament cracking off. Uh, we'll be back again next week with another episode talking about all the latest goings on in the championship. And then after that, it's time to do our table predictions, Justin. That's how quick this season is coming around and I bloody can't wait. It's here, ladies and gentlemen. It's a new season of the championship, a new season of the second tier. We're ready for the ride. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening.